Hello and welcome to Scary Fair, a horror movie podcast between partners. I'm Nine. And I'm Opal. And this week we watched Banshee Chapter, directed by Blair Erickson, starring Ted Levine, Katya Winter, and Michael McMillian. Uh, but first... McMillions. McMillions. Well, that's a good, that's a good documentary. Yeah. Shout outs to McMillions. Yeah, they should make more like that. People should do more crimes about things that don't matter, like McDonald's Monopoly. Yeah, I need more useless, pointless documentaries in my life. That's right. Yeah, that are fun. That's a big one. McMillions is fun. People died. I need more fun documentaries. <laughs> the, the, the mob is involved in that one. I, I think. know it's good. Don't don't spoil it. You should okay. watch McMillions if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, Opal, what have we been watching this week? We watched a whole season of Master Chef. <laughs> we did. I've been I've been jonesing for some Gordon Ramsay content. Uh, we finished all of Hell's Kitchen like this year. We've never seen MasterChef, though. We've never seen MasterChef. Um, I have to say, it's worse than Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I kind of like Hell's Kitchen a little bit more. Um, I think Hell's Kitchen is way funnier. It's way funnier. Um, the editing is crazy on that show. MasterChef is like, they seriously do not hold a shot for longer than three seconds. It, it is breakneck. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's because it's a newer show and people can't, like focus on a shot that long anymore because of the new generation and their tiktoks and whatnot but (laughs) i I I found it uh breakneck like i think the format is bad like the season we watched had 40 people on it and yeah they cut it down to 20 after the first two episodes i think that's just what they always do like that's too many people and like 20 is also too many people for this kind of show 20 is way too many people um i didn't really get to know the cast until the last like 10 yeah yeah the last like 10 people which is the last like four or five episodes which is crazy and they don't show all the auditions either so you know the auditions that they cut out like that person's not winning exactly yeah um and also like i don't love some of the judging um there are parts of it that are pretty funny though yeah yeah there are definitely funny parts like He's falling apart. Okay, okay. One of the judges is, her name is Christina Tosi, and anytime someone, like, fumbles something on the counter, they, like, drop a spatula for a second, they cut in the same clip of her saying, he's falling apart. (laughs) It's exactly like that. Um, It's a really strange show because, like, there'll be three judges just sitting there watching everyone make their thing from like 40 feet away they don't even taste all of them they don't even taste all of them which is crazy uh also you had one job also they tend to not care about track record enough when they're eliminating people which is my pet not peeve. enough no it's my pet peeve on reality shows care more about track record i do, I do um, care about track because record. i care more about it um, and uh there are some challenges where they pick the winner and the winner can just decide who wins that challenge yeah and decide who goes they, home. they give out these advantages that are like way too dramatic and like maybe this is the season that we watched but it was pretty ridiculous it was rough also there was like an elimination on a technicality on the season that oh, we watched that was bad. Which... we watched a uh, season seven so we're not gonna spoil anything but if you know you know it was bad um so that said I love a Gordon Ramsay cooking show. We're probably going to watch 11 more seasons, <laughs> even though we did nothing but complain. We'll probably watch it because it is the most, like, calorie-free reality TV you've ever watched. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I like this or not. And then you, I blink for 10 seconds and I've watched all of the season. It I watched is, five episodes in one night. It is the bag of movie popcorn of reality TV Like, oh shows. god, I shouldn't have eaten that much. Yeah. You only realize that you've watched so much of it by, like, how much is gone out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look down. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Back to... No, no movies. No yeah, movies this we week. Did, we didn't watch movies. Maybe maybe next week. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we watched Banshee Chapter. Uh, this is my first time seeing it. You've yeah. seen it before. I've seen it once before. Once before. Uh, probably the year after it came out or some such, because that sounds about right. Okay, uh, the like gist of this movie is it's sort of a found footage movie about what if you did a MK Ultra and a HP Lovecraft at the same time. 
I forgot that this was an MK Ultra movie, and I was thinking <laughs> I about when to bring that up. But literally, the first screen of the movie is like MK Ultra was this. Yeah, so let, let's get into the summary. the The very first screen is white text on the screen explaining what MK Ultra is. Yeah. Plus, like old news footage, um, which is like this section is pretty extensive, uh, and it took me a second. But they're also mixing in different stuff, fake documentary footage yeah, that yeah, they yeah. shot. Um, about how MK Ultra victims all saw like evil entities. I think you can tell which ones are <laughs> fake. Yes. Well, but also like some of the clips are pulled out of context. Like they at one point they pull like a, a Bill Clinton, Clinton soundbite, which is not about MK Ultra. <laughs> a different Hor- like an atrocity that yeah. he needs to apologize. A different for. horrible government experiment. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, the the kind of okay, so I guess the kind of frame story that we get is that uh, we get Anne Rowland, played by Katia Winter, who's telling us about her documentarian friend, not documentarian, researcher, friend. He's like a writer. Writer. James, who's played by Michael McMillian, uh, who's like, he he went missing after taking DMT. It's all recorded. I I feel like the footage is very clear. Where yeah, went. Um, we see like footage of it. Um, this is found footage. This part is, like, actually found footage. Um, we'll talk more about this in a minute. Because it's it's kind of found footage, but kind of not. I remembered it as found footage, but it's not really. Yeah, I, I want to talk about it more when it breaks from the found footage, and yes. we can talk about what it's yes. doing. Cause it's, when it, we get to the next perspective. Yeah. Um, so we get, like, this, this um, initial story of uh, James. He's being filmed by his friend Rennie. Uh, He's going to take DMT for his book about the missing MKUltra victims or whatever. Yeah. Um, that he takes it. Um, Listen, I've never taken DMT, but I'm not sure that you take it like a shot glass. Yeah, uh, it's just like a blue curacao, like, in a glass. Yeah. It, it does not look like... It, it looks like mouthwash, actually, is what it looks like. It's made of the same stuff as a Breaking Bread crystal meth. <laughs> but liquid. Um, breaking bread breaking bread um so uh he he takes the the drugs um almost immediately the chemical is taking effect uh, almost immediately they get spooked by some static and creepy sounds coming from their radio um we just covered silent hill we're thrown into creepy mode way too fast here in my (laughs) opinion like we're not even five minutes into the movie and all of a sudden we have people like wandering around in the dark with weird sounds going what was that it does feel like they show their hand very very soon yeah way sooner than i remembered it had. It, it isn't uh, exactly like tension building as much as like uh like in a drag race like in the in the first like three seconds when all the cars take off <laughs> from the start line yeah yeah um, well you gotta know what you're getting into so uh James is, like, having hallucinations. He says that something's coming towards the house. Uh, we see, like, a spooky shadow. Uh, the camera gets all fucky-wucky. And there's, like, a bunch of quick cuts. Uh, and then we see, like, James's face all, like, distorted and evil-looking. Like, his eyes are, like, black. And he's, like, bleeding out of his mouth. And it's like he's attacking whoever's holding the camera or something. And then, like, that's the end of the footage. And... Up until that point... I think it's normal for a friend who is on drugs, who has never been on a certain drug before, to be like, it's coming. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, yeah, it's like, very quickly accelerates from like somebody having a bad trip to uh, somebody uh, getting taken by an entity. The effects. Um, so, uh, yeah, we get uh, footage of, of the friend, Rennie, getting, like, interviewed by the cops. Um, there are some hilarious drug PSA posters behind them. Yeah, uh, we get voiceover from Anne saying that um, James has gone missing, and then Rennie shortly goes missing after. Um, and she decides she's gonna find out what happened to him as, like, her final project. Uh, yeah, you... You she's get like the a, sense at this point that they're maybe not just friends, but... Yeah, she she's, like, a journalist. Um, she, like, goes to investigate his house. So this is where we break from the found footage. Uh, because now it's just, like... It's very weird. Because 
There's it's like no, a camera over her shoulder. At, at this point, in the frame device of the story, there's no camera. Nobody, there's no, like, person with a camera following people around. Yeah, I was confused at first because I had remembered it as found footage. I'm like, okay, is there a camera with her? So, but here's the thing. It's all shot exactly like found footage. Yes, it is. And all of the, like, camera movements and all of the, like, jumps and scares are all found footage, but, like, they right. ne- but they just never have, like, the, the dumbass who's holding the camera who's like, oh, I'm gonna get a shot of this, oh, and then they yell at him, and yeah. then they argue in the woods. <laughs> You're just talking about Blair Witch. That's right. That's what everyone's <sighs> talking about when they say that. Um, glad, glad you picked that up. Um, <laughs> so it's it's just like we're watching a movie, but from the from a found footage perspective, but it's not found footage. Yes. So it, it's strange. Um, so yeah, Anna's investigating. It eliminates some problems, though. So it does eliminate some problems. But... Like, why the fuck would you be holding a camera at this moment in time? But... Also, it's like they still wanted all of the trappings of found footage. Uh, like, there are some points I think it works. There are some points I think it doesn't, okay. <laughs> which yeah. we'll, we'll talk about when yeah. we get to it. Okay, back to the story. So, Anna's investigating James's house. Um, we see some, like, old photos here. Uh, I guess, yeah, this is where it's, like, pretty clear that, like, they had been a thing in the past or they, were dating. They were, like, a college fling or something, but I'm just, I'm going to put it out there. I don't think he thought of her the way she thinks of him. Well, we never, we don't really get to see any of his feelings about it. No. But she's, like, musing about him. But and she's like, the one with the pictures, am I right? Mm, I guess so. <laughs> um, so Anne finds a note uh, ad- addressed uh, as friends in Colorado. Uh, and this note is like, hey, James, here's some DMT. Yeah. Um, that's what friends in Colorado are good for. Uh, so Anne takes the, uh, like video footage to a shortwave radio nerd, uh, named Henry. This is where we get into number stations. So yeah, she's like, Hey, can you like look at this footage and like, tell me like what's with these weird noises coming from the radio? And he says, Oh, that's from a number station. Um, the line he gives is like, it's not known for sure who or what is broadcasting them. This is wrong. Um, (laughs) Okay, everything that he basically says is correct. It's like a short-form radio broadcast that's kind of creepy. It's got these robotic voices on it. They're very popular in conspiratorial and kind of creepypasta circles because they sound weird. There's a lot of examples of them online if you want to hear any. A lot of them do come with music and they're exactly what is shown on the movie. But, I mean, we basically know that it's espionage yeah i mean it's just you like can, co- i mean you can figure as soon as you hear what this is it's like it's a series of numbers it's this short form radio broadcast it's it's for spying yeah it's just coded messages yeah. um so just to explain a little bit what short form radio is it's kind of similar to like a ham radio if, yes. if you know what that is it's basically just like a personal radio that you can broadcast from on your own yeah um to whatever frequency you want um it's basically the same thing. There is, like, small differences. But... Like, when people are trying to, like, communicate with a radio when they're, like, on a deserted island or whatever, that's short-form radio. My my Uncle Pat is a ham radio nerd. Yeah. Uh, so I know that short-wave radio is slightly different, but it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, the, the, the radio nerd, Henry, tells Anne that she needs to go out into the middle of the desert to record the number station broadcast uh he says it's nicknamed the lonely traveler um also it's dropped here that he used to work for the nsa but doesn't want to talk about it like it's nefarious um this doesn't go anywhere is he not one of the guys in like the videos or anything i didn't notice so i'm asking you um i didn't hear his name come up again in any of the videos. i didn't hear his name come up i didn't um Maybe that's a detail it, in the background. It's just really but weird. It doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. It's like, oh, he's from the NSA, so he knows about weird espionage number station stuff. But like any like weird radio nerd will tell you stuff like this. That's also true. So, I mean, I know stuff like this. Yeah. Uh. So it, it's just a little weird. Um. And decides, okay, she's gonna go out in her car into the desert. Um. At night, she like reminisces about like, did I love James or not? 
Uh, Get over it. We we by the way we saw like one flashback of them like hugging each other one time, and that's the only scene we're gonna get with the two of them in the same room uh, at any point in this whole movie. I think they fucked once, and she's clinging onto it really, really hard. It's just that's what the energy that it gives me because that like she seems obsessed with this guy, but like a bit. <laughs> there's no real connection there on screen. It's really weird. Um, anyway. there, there is a fun thing in the background where you see a very, very faint figure behind her and then it cuts and it's gone. I, I almost missed it until it cut to I, when it I was did gone. miss it. Yeah. We had to like rewind and look at yeah, it. Cause... I love stuff like that though. <laughs> um, anyway, she, she's got the numbers broadcast playing. Um, all of a sudden it starts like increasing in frequency. So she like gets out of her car to look for whatever's broadcasting it i don't think this is how it works but um (laughs) she she sees a scary freak out in the desert at night uh for like a split second but then she just runs back into her car and drives away i told you that i would never leave my car door open like this no matter what because someone's (laughs) gonna crawl in and try to kill me this is crazy of you (laughs) is it really though is it though just this idea that you could never leave your car unattended with the door open. Cause How much <laughs> time could it possibly save? <laughs> um, anyway, we cut back to like her at her journalist job. Um, Anne learns uh, from her advisor about a guy named Thomas Blackburn. It, it looks like she's just eating a bowl of broccoli in front of her. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thomas Blackburn, uh, we get some shots of him. He's played by Ted Levine. Uh He's a novelist who would sign his novels, uh, Your Friend in Colorado. Um, and his whole thing as a character is that he's just Hunter S. Thompson. He's just Hunter S. Thompson. Um, yeah, that's right. He's just one for one Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Um, pretty much, like, with the with the serial number, you know, uh, scrubbed off or whatever. <laughs> um, and decides she's going to reach out to him, um, but he, like, doesn't want to talk to the press or whatever. Um at this point, we get some fake MK Ultra footage of a patient uh, getting like injected with DMT. Um, he like starts reciting a series of letters and numbers, and the room goes dark, and he gets snatched. <laughs> they simply take him. He gets grabbed. Um, back to Anne. Um, she says she discovers that the the CIA was extracting their DMT from the brain of a dead body. So how do you feel that DMT is just Zydrate from the movie Repo the Genetic Opera? <laughs> I didn't think about that. Repo... It's Listen, it comes from dead bodies. It's a blue liquid that comes in a little glass vial. Repo's a better movie than this. You, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I... I don't... I feel like you're wrong. I feel like you're very wrong. I enjoyed Repo more than this movie. Repo's enjoyable at parts. I think it's technically worse than this movie, but I enjoyed it more. I like it more. It would get a higher rating from me on my letterbox than this. I don't feel the same. Interesting. Okay, we'll we'll get into it. Uh, (laughs) So, um, Anne is like, oh, I think Blackburn's the one who gave James the DMT because of the your friend from Colorado thing. So she decides she's going to go to a bar near where he lives and, like, flirt with him. It works. Uh, She pretends to be a writer and he invites her to a party where they're going to do experimental drugs. A quote-unquote party. Yeah, it turns out this is just him at his house with one other person. Uh, Her name is Callie. She's a chemist who's, like mixing dmt question mark yeah she knows how to hand make dmt yeah um (laughs) government grade dmt specifically um lines are dropped here like it's about freedom mind expansion and positive energy i wouldn't say they're wrong it's just a little weird (laughs) um so blackburn takes the the dmt and Anne like pretends to but she like throws it out she um, does the classic, like, throw your drink in the pot and plant Yeah, thing. except she just throws it on the floor. <laughs> she just throws this liquid on yeah. the floor of this man's house. She's not very good at this. Um, he, like, hands her a glass of whiskey and is like, here, chase her or whatever, and then immediately confronts her about her story being fake. Yeah, after um, she drinks it. And he tells her that, oh, yeah, well, I, I put the DMT in your in your whiskey. I slipped it in there. And she was like, why, why would you do that? 
Because uh, he's like, because you lied to me, so I played a trick on you or whatever. I don't know why she would drink anything given to her by this man, <laughs> but... Um, so, Anne freaks out. She runs over to Callie, who feels unsettled. Uh, <laughs> She's flipping out. So, I realize that this actress is, like, acting like she's having, like, a bad hallucinogenic trip, but she doesn't really emote <laughs> very much with her acting. She just kind of stares blankly ahead and says things, and I realize that it's, they're like... Coming. Yeah, like, they're, they're coming. It's looking at me. It's coming to the house Still now. not weird for a person on drugs. Um, <laughs> if you say so. I would be, I would be concerned if you started saying things like this. On drugs? Yeah, well... If you said, it's coming and it's outside the house. <laughs> Maybe I'll just say that next time I'm on no, drugs God, just to mess with that's you. that's a horrible idea. Um, so Anne's like wandering around in the dark house. Um, there's like static from like a radio. Um, she hears Callie scream and she like goes to check on her and she's like, it was looking at me. Um, and Anne's like, what is it? And she just says, you know. <laughs> I thought that was funny. She said, "You know, <laughs> you know." What Not it is. like that, but it's very like you know. You know, um, the lights go out and everyone's like yelling. Uh, Anne sees like something break into the house and like smash a back window. Kelly says it wants to wear us. <laughs> pretty, pretty uh, uh, visceral imagery. Blackburn's like investigating. There's like a wave of darkness that moves up the stairs. That's kind of a cool effect. Um, uh, Blackbird gets, like, knocked out at one point. Uh, Callie's face turns all weird, like we saw James's earlier, and she pukes a bunch of blood. Yeah. Her face is all distorted. Um, and then Anne and Blackburn wake up in the dark house, and Callie has gone missing. Yeah. Um. It can't have been that long that they were passed out, though, because it's still dark out. It's still dark, yeah. They decide they're going to, uh, flee to, uh, in the car, in Blackbird's car, uh, which is just the car from Fear and Loathing in Los Angeles. It in is. Las Vegas. It is. Yeah. Um, he says that it's the government's fault for making a whack uh, enhanced DMT from the human brain. Um, He's not wrong. It's pretty whack. Uh, I, we get some more fake MK Ultra footage. Um, I, I made a note here. Some of the shots in this movie are, are really cool. Like, um, for the fake footage we get like the reflection of a guy standing behind a glass pane and then the shot of the patient on the other side and it's all dark in the room but there's like a spotlight on him in this otherwise black room it's like pretty cool looking yeah that's what the other one was too it was the same um but again my problem with these scenes is like there's no build it just cuts to this experiment they like, all right, we're giving you the drug, and then we're going to go get in position and watch and see what happens. And then immediately something happens, and the guy, like, freaks out. Um, I I mean, the scene of them trying to find her through the hospital is kind of creepy, though, because you know it's coming. Yeah, um, they're like... There are so many places to hide in these, like, little corners. They're yeah. running around, and I thought that was kind of spooky. Yeah, so in this bit, the experiment, like, goes wrong. Um, there's, again, some weird found footage thing here, because... The beginning of this scene is, like, found footage of the experiment, where, like, they're filming the experiment. But then... But someone's also holding a physical camera, and they go and follow what's happening. Yeah, but again, they, like, never address that, and it, like, doesn't make sense for anyone to do that in that situation. So well, it's they're like, filming the experiment. I guess, but it's, it's just really weird. It's, again, like, they want to use all of the imagery of the found footage, but, like, they don't want to be, like, hamstrung by addressing that anyone would be holding a physical camera like on screen at all so it's all implied like you're supposed to think like okay yeah i guess somebody's doing that but they don't like explain any of it listen i i don't hate this it's just really strange it, it most found footage movies I, would i'm like, saying i think it makes sense for this part because it is actual found footage on a tape that they found i guess but like it I still don't know if it makes sense in this part. It just feels a little a little weird. Okay. Um I, I don't hate it. It's just a strange choice. Okay. Uh anyway, uh cut back to Anna and Blackburn. She's like, uh, hey, did you send James that DMT? And he's like, Yeah, I did that. 
And she's like, you went missing now. Do you know that? And he's like, no, no. <laughs> Why would he? Why would he? He, he just asked me for some DMT. This part, though, gave me some, like, weird CinemaSins-y questions. And I don't normally like to get too much like this, but it really took me out of the movie. So, basically, everyone who has has this DMT is, like, immediately assaulted by a supernatural entity, like, minutes later. I know what you're going to ask. So... I know exactly. So what you're they got ask. a letter from this guy saying, "Hey, can I have some DMT?" And they're like, "Yeah, we'll mix that up for you and send it to you." So they sent it to them, and then they never had any of that DMT until right, right now. now. The the events that we're watching, where Anne shows up to ask them about the DMT. Yeah, so the girl like, making it has never tried her own supply she's, until months she's later. She's never tried any of the DMT. Blackburn's never tried any of it. They make, like, a whole big deal about how, like, oh, you're such a pussy about having DMT. And she's like, well, it's my first time. And they never say, like, well, it's our first time having it. it it's a very cinema like, plot hole, plot no, hole, I, but, like... It, I don't think it is because I found myself wondering the exact same thing. It, it was just, like, it took me totally out of the movie because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, they wouldn't... You wouldn't have, like, these people cultivating DMT and, like, giving it out to people if they're not having any of it. I guess if you wanted to justify it, it's like, yeah, but it's not normal DMT. Maybe it's this formula they're trying for the first time. I don't know. But you mix a new formula and that's the one that you send to, like, a random stranger? And then you don't have any of that new formula until, like, months to weeks later when this other person shows up? No, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, anyway. Uh, I, I knew exactly what you were going to ask because <laughs> I found myself wondering the exact same thing. Um, so Blackburn starts going spooky mode, uh, but Anne just like drives off and he's better now. Um, yeah, it's good. He says the chemical is a catalyst. It lets them in. Um, and Anne's like, how do you know that? And he's like, ah, just a guess. <laughs> it's a pretty good guess. Um, so Anne goes to investigate Callie's house, I guess, um, which is like an abandoned mansion. Um, Black. This is just a meth lab. Th- this is a really weird scene. So Blackburn is like tired because he's an old man. So he's gonna like uh, stay in the car. He also just started bleeding from every orifice on his face. So he he gives Anne a walkie-talkie, and he's like, "You go investigate the house. I'll stay here in the car." Um, so she goes to explore the mansion. Um, he calls her on the walkie-talkie to tell her about an H.P. Lovecraft story, and it's, like, a similar story to the goings-on, um, which turns out is, is a real H.P. Lovecraft story, um, from yeah, beyond. Yeah, the, the movie is based on The movie is based on it. it it's basically... I kind of respect that. I I don't know how I feel about bringing it up in the movie kind of out of nowhere, but I do, <sighs> I do respect when people kind of wear their influences on their sleeve. Yeah, um... I guess we'll talk about it more, but I think this movie is too literal. I think that is my problem with it. Um, and I think calling out H.P. Lovecraft specifically and, like, this story, like, not by name, but, like, effectively is, like, a little hokey. Um, I also think, like, calling out MK Ultra by name is a little hokey for other reasons, but we'll get to those in a little bit. Um, it is. It, it's interesting. It's a choice. Um, it, it just makes me think about other better pieces of fiction or other more emotionally impactful uh tragedies than this when they Mm. invoke those things Mm. instead of doing like something that's like very clearly inspired by it but like you're talking about like jacob's ladder aren't you well i mean that that's a great example right like that's a completely different chemical that ruined people's lives but uh it's it's on the same vein well i mean it's very clearly inspired right but like they don't ever like call it out and it's kind of left up to you to be like okay this is what's going on but no they do call it out oh they do call it out in jacob's letter okay um i mean just it just makes me um think about like real world tragedies but like in this weird way where like they need to be punched up with like documentarian like fake entity stories um kind of similar to like when we watch the bay where they're like right right oh yeah you know um a a bunch these movies could be sisters (laughs) yeah absolutely i got i have a lot of similar feelings about this one to the bay um anyway let's get back to the movie uh so anna's investigating this big mansion uh, she finds, like, a steel door, and on the other side is a laboratory. 
uh, and in the lab and finds human brain parts, which... I want to know where the fuck she got these. Which Callie was extracting the DMT from. Um, and apparently she, Callie, found out where the original experiments were located, a place called Chamber 5. Um, and she, um, she's got a, a, like, thing written on, like, a blackboard in the room with the letters and numbers. Um, it, it's, like, clear now that the letters and numbers from the number station are a chemical formula. Um, not, not just the number station, but the guy that was experimented on earlier. Yeah, he was saying the, the letters and numbers. Um, this is again begging some really weird questions from me. Like, okay, this time, like, okay, so Callie uh, knows about the experiments, right? Because she went to the lab where they happened. She got stuff from there, presumably, which is why she has the stuff in the lab. She's like extracting the DMT from human brains, so she like knows. That what happens when you take this DMT is that an entity comes after you and attacks you. Um, <laughs> and she's just, like, mixing it. But then she's presented earlier in the movie as just, like, you know, a kind of, like, hi- hippy-dippy girl who's like, yeah, I I take mushrooms and do marijuana or whatever and have a bit of fun. You want to so, know my answer to that? So it's like, is she, like, this crazy mastermind that they're not, like, explaining any of? And this is, like... She is a master chemist, that's for sure. But I just want to say that alternative women always find a way they always have their source <laughs> it's just really weird it's like this character that's just like a one-off character who's just like oh yeah i'm just the person who had some weird who got some weird dmt like why couldn't it be yeah she got it from like this mysterious guy who had the lab somewhere and she didn't know about it right instead of it being like no she was literally making it in the lab and knew I, all I said about breaking it. bad earlier but she is like a walter white newfound drug genius yeah except she's she's making the drugs that make you see uh demons and <laughs> is like giving it out to people but also just takes it herself and dies from it implying she doesn't know what it's about it's really weird just begging questions that like you don't really want to you want your audience to be asking i felt like yeah 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 i feel that um so this scene is awesome though this scene is good so Anne's like reviewing some security camera footage uh and there's like spooky guys on the security cam Uh, and at one point she sees uh what looks like callie walking down into the basement and she checks the time and it was eight minutes ago i love this shit (laughs) I love stuff like this. So she turns around and she's like, Callie? You don't see anything. Callie? And it's, it's all just, it's just it's a dark blackness. room. Um, and Blackburn has also like stopped responding on the walkie-talkie for some time now. I actually like what they do with this bit because earlier she was talking and he wasn't responding. But nothing was like happening uh-huh. dramatically. So like you didn't really, you're like not really thinking anything of it. Of course, I'm immediately like, he didn't respond to that message. Yeah. Um, And then... When the tension builds, he's still not responding, and you realize, like, oh, it's been a long time since uh-huh. I've heard him answer back, you know? So that was really good. Um, really good tension building here. Yeah, so she she basically and gets uh, chased through the house by the entity um, and, like, piles into the car, and Blackbird is just asleep in the backseat. Grimpy is asleep. <laughs> uh, and she drives off. A lot of, like, entities that you can just drive away from in this movie. I know! <laughs> that seems to be the answer. It's a, it's like a It Follows situation. I was gonna say It Follows earlier, but, I mean, I think that's kind of what it is. How it's a, a perpetually chasing you, but also you can just drive away. Yeah. Um, so, Anne decides, for some reason, that they're gonna go to Chamber 5... And they're going to stop the number station from broadcasting because that's going to somehow stop the entity from chasing them. It's a little confusing. It's like, why would this do anything? We're going to the source. Um, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Blackbird reveals at this point that uh, he never slipped and the drug. Um, but she's like, well, it doesn't matter. Renny, that guy from earlier in the movie, he got disappeared and he never took it either. So I mean, it's kind of ambiguous the entire time whether he did or didn't. I'm going to say that he probably did, and he's just trying to get her to, like, give it up and go home. Okay, but it, none of it matters. 
That's like, right. Nothing. The, I guess the none thing of it is, matters. Either way, it doesn't matter because either he did give it to her and the entity's chasing her and she has to stop it somehow, or he didn't give it to her and the entity's chasing her and she has to stop it somehow. So it doesn't. It, they, it really doesn't they matter. They frame this whole thing like it's this big, like, you don't know tension, but it doesn't mean anything in the story. So it was really weird. Um, at this point, uh,. They, they resolve, yeah, we're going to go to the, the, the source and we're going to stop the numbers. Um, we also get some MK Ultra footage of scientists uh, getting ganked by the entity. The entity. Um, they, they, uh, the, the crew get back to, they, they arrive at Chamber 5 and Blackburn gives a little speech about how uh, when you're having a real bummer of a night, you just got to hunker down and hide. But this isn't one of those nights. But... Yes. It doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> I mean, so we'll talk more performance-wise later, but like, I some of them are hit or miss. I I really I like, like this um, guy though. So yeah, I mean, I really like Ted Levine. I mean, it's Ted Levine. Yeah. Uh, he he's doing a great job here. I like Katya Winter also. On honestly, uh-huh. um, I think they're both doing pretty well performance-wise. Yeah, yeah. The writing really lets them down at certain parts, though. And then at parts? Lines like that are when you really feel it. Um, so, uh, Blackburn grabs uh, a gun and a gas can, and they head into Chamber 5. I feel like you can tell that he got a note to start acting shiftier <laughs> at this part. <laughs> He's just kind of, like, slinking around with his gun. Um, yeah, he, like, hides the fact for man that he has the gun. Um... They uh, get to a part of the wall that says Chamber 5, and Anne says, wow, this is it, Chamber 5. It's right there when they walk in, yeah. (laughs) It's like, in case you weren't paying attention to where they were. Um, It's Chamber 5. Also, uh, Blackburn leaves the gas can behind, for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, it leaves it. Yeah. Um, We see... Uh, like the experiment room from the MK Ultra scenes earlier, and Blackburn very helpfully is like, "Oh, this is where they did an MK Ultra, you know?" Yeah, yeah. We've been talking about how this is the place where they did the MK Ultra okay, but, the whole movie. <laughs> okay, but there, there is a point. She's kind of wondering how he knows that, like how he knows what those rooms exactly are. Well, but the implication is like he's seen the footage, right? Like they've already talked about how she knows that they're pulling the dmt out of people's brains right and like how would she know about that if she hadn't seen the footage that we've been seeing so like the implication to me is just that they've both how seen the, this footage available is this footage i don't know it's very confusing to me um so they find the transmitter room no problem um there's like a weird freaky guy in there but don't worry about it um, i remember that guy suddenly the entities attack um they look like half-life 2 zombies I was just going to say, these look like um, uh, face-off challenge zombies. <laughs> just like, hey, I need they you got, to... like, weird claw hands. Yeah, hey, I need you to, like, design a creature based on this uh, abandoned uh, underground hallway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Blackburn's like, they wanted us to come here. Which <laughs> I think means something, but I don't... I think it means that they wanted them to come there. Okay. Um, so they, like, seal themselves into this this room. Um, Blackburn starts to, like, turn or whatever into the weird-faced thing. He, he starts leaking again. So he shoots himself in the head. Yeah. Uh, to stop that from happening. Uh, and manages to run out of the room, find the gas can... And return to the transmitter room. She just, like, jukes the monster in the hallway like she's playing a video game and she knows it's pathing. She just, like, runs around the door and runs back. It's like watching a Silent Hill speedrun. <laughs> like, oh, and I'll take uh, three steps to the left here and I'll avoid this lunge by this ghoul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she uh, lights the random tank in the middle of the room on fire, I guess, which explodes. Yeah. Uh, and she passes out. Um, And when she wakes up, she finds the outfit that James was wearing in the found footage earlier on the floor. It looks which... like he's been raptured, like when people play those <laughs> jokes, when they would put their clothes out like they had been beamed up to space. Yeah, so I guess this confirms that he's dead, which was up for speculation up until this point. 
question mark? I do want to say also it was talking to her in the hallway. It was like, please come back. Please come back. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, so Anne uh, leaves the facility and the triumphant music plays as she's defeated the evil. And me, who's ever watched a horror movie, is like... It's not over. Assuming the credits don't roll right this fucking second, this is going to end badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, naturally. So she gets picked up, I guess, by the cops and put in the same interrogation room that we saw Renny in earlier with all the dumb posters on the wall. There's some extra posters on the wall this time, <laughs> which I appreciate. The don't do drugs posters. Yeah. Um, Anne meets with, like, her unnamed co-worker that she talked to earlier. Uh, who, she, who she, had the she, salad. She should have came with her big bowl of broccoli. Um, her coworker's like, oh, don't worry. All your legal fees will be covered. Which, by the way, is the least realistic thing so far in this movie. <laughs> um, uh, the coworker's like, are, are you sure that Blackburn didn't give you the drug? Uh, and hey, you never found Rennie and he never took the drug. She's asking the questions that you should have at the end of the movie. Why are you drawing attention to it? Because I'm like, why does it matter? Like, the only reason to ask, hey, did you ever find Rennie is like, is Rennie going to show up all of a sudden? And the only reason to ask, hey, are you sure Blackburn didn't give you the drug is for it to, like, matter that he did or didn't. But it would buy but not, that it didn't. Neither of those things happen. Um... <laughs> The PA, which earlier was very clearly playing the number station static, uh, yeah. more clearly is playing the number station static now. She's like, no, no, no. no. And then her coworker turns into a floops foogly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I guess she, she gets taken as well. Um, at this point, uh, we kind of go into credits here. We get MK Ultra footage of one of one of the uh, uh, subjects who's going to be released back into the world. It's the uh, first guy that they were testing on. I don't know and, if you caught that. And that man's name was Thomas Blackburn. <laughs> that man's name was Albert Einstein. <laughs> um, and you know we get some more old timey footage of MK Ultra stuff. Just over the credits. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Um, I didn't love this movie. Yeah, I'm so, getting that sense. So, so the credits rolled, and I booed, and you looked at me like so sad, like really. I thought I, you liked this. Movie. I don't think it's terrible. Like, so I have to say, I'm of two minds about this movie because I completely get where you're coming from. There are things that, when you examine them too closely or you think about it too hard, it does not make sense. But so, I appreciate scenes from this so uh, my fundamental problem with this movie is that it is a found footage movie mm-hmm. uh, well i don't so i don't like found footage movies we talked about this with the bay is it though anytime that you do a found footage well here's the thing it's not a found footage movie but everyone behaves like it's a found footage movie they do all of the tropes and problems of Sam's a found acknowledging footage movie. the camera i guess yeah all of the all of the things that i hate about found footage movies are in this movie it's what are, what are those things uh, characters constantly doing things that just make them seem stupid and unlikable. Okay. Um, a bunch of, like, not really well thought out reveals to, like, where there's, like, uh... You know what's coming. Yeah, you, like... When they turn a corner or whatever. Well, and just, like, the whole thing with, like, does it matter if she drank the thing from Blackbird or not? And then they're, like, pointing a big, like glaring lampshade on it like hey did you notice do you remember this part earlier and it's like yeah i noticed it didn't mean it didn't mean anything then either i don't know if that's necessarily a found footage problem or an expository problem so i mean maybe my problem isn't with the found footage i just think the writing is bad basically i think the a bit a bit at times i think i think the performances are good i i liked the performances especially ted levine's performance he's like having a lot he's having a lot of fun just being hunter s thompson yeah um that stuff is fun. It's great. He's even got the mannerisms down, like, with the cigar. Um, it's kind of freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. I think it, the movie looks great. I think the... Oh, the setting is really, really fun. I like being in the middle of the Nevada desert in the middle of the night with just your car. I think that's a vibe. Yeah, I mean, even outside of that, I just like the cinematography. I think we see some really cool shots. I think, like, the use of, like, light and dark is really good. Um... And yeah, I really like the setting. I really like the story, sort of broad strokes. I like what they're doing. Um, 
But, like, the technical, like, beat-for-beat beat writing and, like, the directing of some of it, I'm really not in love of, in love with. Um, and it just constantly takes me out of the movie. And that's why I compare it to a found footage movie. Because found footage movies love to, like, take me out of it personally. Um, because, you know, the whole, the whole idea with a found footage movie, right, is it's, like, selling you on the illusion that you are watching... Perspective. A, a camera perspective that uh, somebody realistically was there and shot and viewed, right? Yes, yes. Um, but none of that, that, that's absurd when you think about it for like it two does, seconds. It does do the forced perspective thing very strongly, yes. Yeah, and that's always absurd in a found footage movie, and they always have to like throw a bunch of lines in there to like calm you down and to be like, no, it's totally fine that we're doing this. This is really believable. Trust us. And that always makes me trust them even less. And this movie didn't do that but also if it wouldn't acknowledge that it was doing the forced perspective so i almost would have liked it a lot more as just not a found footage movie not using that style of of camera framing if they just did the same story but we're just we have a camera and we can point it wherever we want in these scenes and we can show you what's going on and give you these really cool images, and you don't have to ever think about... Like it has cuts in it, yeah, for example. Yeah, I, I never have to be thinking about, oh, somebody filmed this, and that doesn't make any sense, because then, like, am I looking at somebody watching like this? Is this, like, a documentary? Is this what's going on? So all, all of that just takes me out of the movie a lot. Okay, yeah, I understand that. Um, I like them personally. I think there are some very good examples of really scary ones. Like, Wreck is a really, really good movie that yeah. I enjoy a lot. And you know what? Uh, like, a really good found footage movie, I kind of just put it down at some point. Uh, like, that that criticism of it, I just kind of, like, shelve it at some point and just kind of lean in and enjoy the movie. Um, this one, because there's a few, like, points where it's kind of, like, begging me not to look at it too hard, <laughs> and I'm, like, watching this for a podcast where my job is to look at it a little bit too hard, uh-huh. I'm, like... Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I you know I don't think that I necessarily thought about those things that be brought up on my first viewing necessarily, but because we are looking at it in that way, like I am thinking about those things, like especially since it's my second viewing, right. it definitely gives me context of like that doesn't really make that much sense. Um, and I have a few other I have a few other qualms with the movie. Um, like I think it's really. I think it's really weird to do a Hunter S. Thompson uh, analog who also commits suicide by shooting themselves in the head. I think that's a little weird and bad. I didn't even think of that. Um, I think that's kind of gross. Um, I think like mixing in real like people talking about MK Ultra, like people who were involved and who were talking about the experiments with fake found footage constructed stuff, like these are the same is really weird and not great. Like, I-, I wish it was just the government did an experiment, right? I think you could make something up. You could totally wholesale. make something up. You don't, you just don't say the words MK Ultra. Don't put up real archival footage of this stuff. Maybe because they want to connect it to hallucinogens. Maybe they want to have the question of, is she just hallucinating this? Things like that. But, I mean, you can do that whole, all that with the drug story anyway and just not say the words MKUltra and not put, like, the real footage on the screen. Well, then that would be the elephant in the room, right? Because what else would you be talking about? I guess I just wouldn't... I mean, I would still have this problem, right? Because I still have this problem with the Bay. I, I, have, I do have a problem with, like, pointing at a government um, cover-up. Uh, the kind of thing where, like, um, you know, horrible people make, like, horrible government cover-up conspiracies and it's like oh well the government does horrible stuff all the time look at like mk ultra and you're like okay whatever and then i mean are they wrong there i I feel like this is in like the same breath of that where it's going like yeah this is like a a real government cover but also we're gonna make it like fictional and silly and like kind of we want to rob all of the like real consequences from it while also invoking all of like the real pain and suffering that went into that and it just rubs me the wrong way but I, I think it can be done the right way, like with Jacob's Ladder, for example. Yeah. I, because I, I, f- I feel like that's 
the difference is that's a highly, highly empathetic movie, whereas this isn't necessarily that. No, I think this movie is about how you shouldn't do drugs. It's, it's more about spectacle. I don't know if that's the message necessarily either. I don't know. I feel like there's a pretty strong, like, take drugs and you will die message in this movie. I don't give it at all. I mean... I told you when we were watching this that I'll do anything, but I won't touch that government shit because that shit doesn't play around. And I think that's the message. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's trying to say that, hey, kids, drugs are bad, but, like, like it or not, like, that's in the movie. Like... But then it doesn't even matter if you take the drugs the, or not. The story is... So what is it? I mean... It's what just, about Rennie? <laughs> <laughs> what about Rennie? Like, what about that's, Rennie? That's the thing, like, they want to, like, they want to have it both ways at points, and it's just a little... Things like that just just graded on me throughout watching the movie. Like, it impacted my ability to just... Like, if I were just watching this, um, not for the podcast, just throwing it on to watch it, I think I'd have a pretty good time. Yeah. Um, I think the second I started to examine it... At one point, I just wrote the words Prometheus in my notes because it's the exact same problem I had with that movie. <laughs> um, I walked out of Prometheus. Like, that was a pretty good movie. And, and my then walk, you thought about and it. And then I had a 25-minute walk home with my mom where we talked about the movie. And by the end of that walk, we both hated the movie. <laughs> um, because, That'll happen. Because we were just like, what the fuck did we just watch? Um, and that's... I, I could feel that happening to me, like, in real time as I watched this. Mm. Um, and just other little things, like the Hunter S. Thompson stuff. The, part of it is even yeah, that's just... Yeah, that's a good catch. I didn't even think about that. Part of it even is just, like, I, I have to take summary notes for the podcast while I watch, and I'm not, like, pausing to take notes. I'm, like, taking notes as I watch the movie. I do think that takes me out of some of the movies we watch a, a little bit. Um, I still had a good time. Don't get me wrong. I'm still, like, glad we watched it and everything. It's just... All of that kind of cumulatively added up to me not liking this one too much. Uh, then I have a question also. Do you think you would prefer watching more movies that we have both seen before? Maybe. Um, which, you know, I, I think, like, it's totally fine to watch a new movie on here. Um, like, I, I think I've gotten a lot out of watching some new movies on here. Oh, I, yeah, same. Um, a couple I've watched for the first time, too. I think it's... More just, like, in combination with all of the other things, it negatively impacted this one right. for me. It, as less, like, it was the the main reason I didn't like it. Um, I'm of two minds on it, right? Because I completely see everything that you're saying, and I kind of felt that on this watch through. But I also think it has some really fun moments. I think that the number station stuff is kind of fun. I, I love think that's the a concept. really that's like, a really creepy like background setting to have while this stuff is happening. And like, there are some scenes that really stick out to me as really good. Yeah, like, like, like the basement and the the facility stuff. Yeah, definitely. Like we were talking about you love the setting. Like I think the Nevada desert at night is fucking scary. It is. It is it's, it's just pitch blackness, isn't it? Yeah, it's and really there's snakes out there. <laughs> <laughs> and as someone who's been out in the Nevada desert at night, it is like that. It's scary. Yeah. Um and Someone can just come in their car and shoot you. You know, and the idea of like, hey, this is like an old, weird, like, um, abandoned government bunker where they did scary, you know, mid the desert is perfect where they did mid nineteen hundreds spooky shit in yeah. it. It's like, okay, yeah, this that's totally cool. Um, yeah. So part of me, I I kind of like it. Yeah. Um. I, like I said, I'm really of two minds about it because, like, at the same time, I'm holding in my head like I really love. A lot of the visuals, I like the performances, I like, yeah, the setting. But I did, I did find myself liking it a little bit less than the first time I saw it, but there are still things I appreciate about it. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to, like, the script and the, the directing I didn't really love. Um, are we going to get into ratings? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's rate the movie. Um, first up is the spookiness rating. How scary and effective... Were the the spooks and scares and the bits? Uh, what would you give it? I want to do like a three point five. Okay. The the basement scene gets like a four, but also like the the <laughs> the poops fugly faces are kind of <laughs> goofy sometimes. Yeah. Um. I'd give it. I give it like a three. I think that the um the tension building and atmosphere is very good at parts. But then at parts, it's also like a, the pacing is all wrong. For the tension building. Like, sometimes it's just all of a sudden a room goes dark and then immediately somebody's taken. And it's a very, like, 
blocky in how that's set up. Like, there's not a lot of, like, organic, like, somebody's having a scene, and you know something scary is going on in the scene, and they don't know it, and you kind of watch those two lines meet slowly at a point. That never happens in this movie. Yeah, there is some very A to B jump scares that you can fully expect. I yeah. will say that. Um, And there's some great moments where, like, like when she hears, like, oh, yeah, like, the girl's downstairs in the room with you. where like, I, That's really good. Though. Like, that's really good because then it's a moment of, like, Oh shit. oh shit i'm like even more where is she i'm even more in over my head than i thought And there's one way to get out of the basement and it's by the creepy stairs well and <laughs> she even turned on all the lights in that room when she walked in and didn't see anything yeah and now all the lights are off and did you just miss her the first time mm-hmm. has she always been there did she come I in and leave at like some that. point that's so spooky and creepy and you know you're like ah Right? Like, I have chills right now thinking yeah. about it. Right? It's the thing where, like, you get up in the middle of the night and you know you're just in your house, but all of a sudden you're fucking terrified because there's, like, a weird shape on the wall, you know? It is very, like, like little kids don't want to go upstairs like that. Like, there's something behind the stairs. Yeah. It, it invokes that a lot for me. Yeah, so I, I like elements of that, but then, you know, like, I really want to like the inter like, the not the interrogation scenes, the experiment scenes, but it's all very, like, Here's some here's some scientists doing a thing. All the lights are out. Blah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't love that as much. So I, I like a three for for spookiness. All right. Next up is watchability. How easy is it to just throw the movie on and have a good time? Uh, what would you give it? I think this is also kind of a three for me. Okay. Just because um, it's a pretty short movie. It's, yeah, it's um, like it's like uh, 84, 90 minutes, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of moving parts that are interesting. Um, there's action, definitely. There's scary stuff throughout it for you to see if you get bored easily with movies like this. And I think um, there's enough personality in it to, like, keep your, your attention, like... Yeah, there's tons of personality. Yeah. Um, I give it... Some good performances, like I, you said. I, I'm going to deduct a point. I'm going to give it a two just because... It does have those moments where, like, I don't think it impacts a casual watch through too much, but it impacts, like, the way the movie sits with me after watching it, where it, like, doesn't, it invites me to think about it, and then as soon as I think about it, I'm like, this doesn't make yeah, any yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, which isn't, like, exactly watchability, but I think this is the place to, like, deduct points for it, so okay. I, would, I would give it a two. I'll allow it. Next up is the Vincent Price. Vamp rating. The campiness, performances, uh, what would you give it? I think for the Hunter S. Thompson character and the fact that it is just like a big blue vial of DMT, I think I want to give it like a 2. <laughs> sure. Um, I think Maybe like a 2.5 to round out my other 0.5. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I think this is maybe like where... Yeah, I mean, I, I like 2 for it. I think like... Um, a lot of the problems that I have with the found footage-ness of it come in here where, like, I want it to be either goofier or more serious. I do have to say, a lot of the characters I wish were a little bit more characters and you could have a little bit more fun with them. Yeah, like, Ted Levine's having a great time and he's giving, like, a performance, but, like, nobody's there to volley with him, really. Um, Not exactly, no. You know, there... The main character isn't much of a character. Yeah, um, there weren't a lot of, like, back and forth jokes. It was a lot more, like, okay, one joke. One thing I did notice, he gets at, he gets out of the car at one point to pee, and you see her, like, pull up her pants a little bit, implying she was also peeing at the same <laughs> time. I thought, I thought that was kind of funny. That is funny. Um, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of personality in this movie, but also I, I think it's lacking in a few ways. So, yeah, I like two. I yeah. like two. All right. So I like it a little bit more than you do. Any bonus points for the food, please? No. <laughs> I mean, they are just people with, like, gloopy faces. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I would put points for this because, I mean, I guess there is, like, a, a half-life monster at the end, <laughs> but you don't see him very well. Yeah. So I don't know if I have points. Yeah, no, no points for me. So your score is a 9 out of 15. Okay. And mine is a 7 out of 15, which I think... That's fine. I think that's accurate to how we each feel about it. Yeah. I'm a little bit lower on it than you. Um, I feel good about it. Yeah. Like, it's a movie that I like, but it has 
a few problems when you pick it apart too much, but I think if you are just here to enjoy like some creepy imagery and have fun with like a pseudo found footage type thing, I think it's good. Yeah, like if found footage is a thing that you really like, I think you'll like this. Um, if you like don't get taken out of found footage the way I do, I don't think some of the stuff that bothered me would bother you as much. Um, I think, yeah, if you're not trying to, like, pick apart the, the themes of it while you watch it, if you're just trying to, like, watch a kind of goofy horror movie and have a good time, I think that's there. Um, I totally agree. Interestingly, uh, kind of the opposite of that, I was looking at, like, the, the critical response to this movie, because mm-hmm. uh, it lost quite a bit of money. Um, it never had, like, a U.S. release, which is the main reason. I don't feel like this would cost that much money but i don't know so i I do want to talk about this it was produced by before the door pictures which is zachary quinto's production company i've never heard of this uh the the guy who plays silar in heroes or spock (laughs) that's that's what we know him are we we know him as silar but other people know him as new spock yeah other people know him as spock in my mind that man's motherfucking silar yeah that, that Uh, man's from heroes um yeah, he has a production company um, with, like, two two of his friends who also graduated from Carnegie Mellon, which is, like, a research uh, 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 university. And I guess uh, the director, Blair Erickson, is also from Carnegie Mellon, and that's why they decided to produce this movie. Oh, weird. Because they're like, oh, he's also from the drama department of, of this university we all went to. Uh, I didn't know that. Um... Yeah, they, they, they make a few, like, small independent horror movies. Um, they just made one this year called Abandoned, which has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't heard of it. <laughs> um, when you mean small, you mean small, because I'm kind of surprised that I heard about this movie in the first place. But also, it was, um, I did see it around on, like, gift sets on Tumblr and stuff. It's a very, yeah. like, I said it was a gifable movie. There's some imagery Definitely. that people would show around of it and stuff. Yeah. And that period of time, around, like, 2014-ish, I was getting a lot of suggestions for movies from Tumblr and stuff. Yeah, no, um, I think, like, this is a, this is a decent movie. Like, I have problems with it, but also, like, I really also like other parts of it, and a lot of it visually I really like, so that, that makes sense. That it's it does not visible. even touch the worst of what we've seen on this podcast. No, no, like, I, I wouldn't compare it to the worst of it. It's and perfectly I, fine. Yeah, um, a much better version of, like, The Bay, for example. The Bay is way worse. The Bay is way worse. The Bay has way worse performances. The but Bay looks way worse. more isopods. <laughs> Oh, and I guess what I was saying earlier, yeah, I was looking at the critical response, uh, and, like, audiences mostly don't like this movie, but critics do, which is the opposite of what I would expect, having watched this. I can see that, though. Yeah, I mean... Because it doesn't have bad ratings that I've seen, necessarily, on, like, Rotten Tomatoes or anything. No, they're mostly mixed. Um, I mean, like, the ratings are, like, pretty decent if you go to, like, uh, review sites, yeah. Um... I think it's because critics like things like horror specifically that's weird. If you yeah. do stuff that's weird, yeah, like that's respectable to I, a lot I, of people, including myself. I mean, I think if horror is your beat, you you would tend to like this movie a little bit more. I think that's a reason you might like this a little bit more than me. I think so, yeah. Um, horror is a little bit less of my beat, and so some of the like genre stuff that I grate at a little more, I think affects my, my score a little bit, and that might be... Also, you know, this didn't get, like, a a U.S. release. I think that probably does affect the audience score somewhat because the people that are watching it are, like, people who found it on Tumblr from a gift set, you know? (laughs) And are like, what the heck is this? And like, oh, this is goofy, whatever. I guess it's okay, you know? So, but overall, decent movie. Yeah. Happy with it? It's perfectly good. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Now, will we get a decent movie for next week? Oh, God. (laughs) it's time bring me the movie sack five one two zero five oh no it's here five the all the lights in the room just went out (laughs) oh no don't do that (laughs) it's too dark you're not gonna be able to read the movie okay lights are coming back on (laughs)
this is the movie sack segment. This is the part where we uh, pull a movie out of a literal sack to decide what we're going to watch next week. Opal, you you put some some names in here, and then I grab one at random and I'm pull it out. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> uh, are you ready? I'm ready. What do you have? Next week, we're watching Cabin in the Woods. Yay! This is a fun one to talk about. <laughs> a movie we've both seen. A movie I'm a big fan of. I, I like it a lot too, and I think it's going to be exciting to talk about in depth. This is going to be this is going to be a fun one. Tune in next week for that. A genre movie. One hundred percent, yeah. A uh, movie that's having some fun. I'm looking forward to that. That's yeah. fun, yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's gonna do it for us this week. Um, Opal, where can everyone find you on the internet? Um, if you want to send me number stations, <laughs> you can find my social media info at opal.card.co, and the podcast also has a Twitter at Scary Pair, and that's it. Yep, and I'm at putrid underscore imp on Twitter. Uh, you can also find my other show, Level With You, at Level With You Pod on Twitter. That's a World of Warcraft classic book club with my friend Austin, who's never played an MMO before. Book club. Game club, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we, we, we play a few hours of World of Warcraft every week and talk about it. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a chill time. Um, that's going to do it. Uh, we'll see you next week for Cabin in the Woods. There's some strange rattling going on outside the door. I'm sure that's our cats. We'll figure that out. No, I think that's the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. H. One. N. Zero. H. Thirty-two. Bingo! <laughs> <laughs>